Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Well, welcome to today's podcast. And today we're talking about songs in the Bible. Now, we all are aware of the book of Psalms, which is a collection of songs, but but there are many other songs in the Bible. In fact, I don't know about you, but I'm a music lover. Uh, I, I, I love music. I just checked my iPod I've got or iPad. I've got 184 songs on it. That's probably not many compared to others that I know, but I, I have songs. I try to have music around me. I've always enjoyed music. But today we're talking not just about the enjoyment of music, but the purpose of music. Our God is a God of music. And uh, without getting too much into the comparisons of some of the other, quote, world religions, uh, the Bible and, and, and uh, the Judeo-Christian tradition is just full of music and singing. Uh, there are other traditions and cultures that also are very inclusive of music and songs and traditions. So I'm not saying this is exclusive, but compared to perhaps some of the other major religions, uh, uh, the Hindu, uh, Buddhist, uh, the Muslim faiths uh, or, or belief systems. The Bible just is is uh, over and above uh, in its use of, of music and songs, and uh, it just seems to flow. In fact, we're encouraged to sing. So, uh, so much about songs in the Bible, and that's what we're looking at today in this episode. You know, before there were books, there were songs. Uh, today, we, we have books, and we have song books, and uh, at our church, I'm sure others, we have the words on the screen and all of that, but that was not the case for most of this world history, and even today in many cultures of the world, books are not readily available. So we, we tend to get myopic and just look at, at who we are but understand as we seek to understand the Bible and why God does some of the things he does in the way that he does is that so much of the world has operated for all the millennia on oral traditions. And so many of those oral, non-written traditions, those oral traditions uh, of so many cultures were uh, encapsulated and passed on through songs, through music. Uh, dance also the dances of uh, the Aborigines in in Australia, the Native Americans here in North and South America, the African cultures, of course, uh, still very much embrace uh, the songs as a way of of telling stories. I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I can't help but remember a day we've had many uh, Africans in our church family, uh, some that have lived with us from Kenya and Sudan and and um, other places in on the continent of Africa, not African. Americans, Africans, and uh, everything is about a song to them, and, and oftentimes they would sing or, or do something in the church, and, and with, with the song always came the dance, uh, very much a part of the, their culture and a beautiful part of it as well. So, so the songs in the Bible and the songs of our culture are there not just to entertain as we see it today, but they're to tell a story. 
They are there presenting truths. They are there to help us remember events. And those songs are there to pass on a heritage to the children and the grandchildren on through the generations. So songs, particularly songs in the Bible, are important. Even songs in our Western culture are very important. For example, try just saying the ABCs, but you can't do it because our, our culture has embedded words and thoughts and lessons in music, and it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, uh, elemental P, as we run that together. So uh, <clears throat> we learn our, our most basic letters in the form and context of the song. Of course, there's TV commercials and jingles where, uh, where companies spend millions of dollars to try to embed in your mind their message using the context or the flow of music, nursery rhymes as well, and so many other things. So today we're talking about songs in the Bible. Now, before we get to the four songs that we're going to look at of the many, many songs, just, just a couple other thoughts here. Uh, songs change us. They, they have an impact on our psychological and physical demeanor. They really do. Go to a restaurant sometimes that, uh, is, sometime that is wanting to turn tables. In other words, there's a waiting list, and you're outside, and, and you've got a 20- or 30-minute list. Most often, they will have fast music going. Why? Because we eat faster when the music is fast. We slow down. When the music is slow or remember this if you will as you're driving down the road and you've looked down there's a fast song and it's going it's cooking and you're loving it and you look down you're going 87 miles an hour how did that happen well it speeds up our physical demeanor and uh, also the same is true sometimes when you have a slow song and you look and, and you're going 48 or 50 into 65. It, it does have an impact. And, of course, there are fight songs, college fight songs, even cultural country fight songs, songs of war, obviously love songs, and, and songs that uh, unconsciously cause this physical makeup, emotions, to change in us. Well, that's the power of music, and the Bible is all about music. That's why in the church uh, today, uh, in so many denominations anyway, music is preeminent. In fact, the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so in most churches, we sing before we teach or preach. There's a reason for that. It, there's a biblical premise for that. So, so songs in the Bible and songs just in our culture, in our human dynamic, are, are profound and powerful. I find it interesting. The most recorded song of all time, Amazing Grace, with 6,600 different versions of Amazing Grace. I probably know 20 of them. Uh, there's all kinds of different versions. Uh, the second following up to that is interesting. It's Paul McCartney's uh, Yesterday by the Beatles. 4,000 different recorded versions of that song. What does that matter in the scope of the Bible? Probably not much, but it is interesting that a song written by a former slave trader named John Newton who became a preacher and a pastor and repented of his sin. And that song, Amazing Grace, has so pervaded uh, our, our psyche, particularly the Western culture. Now, not all of it is necessarily uh, of Amazing Grace stature, the best-selling album of all times. What do you think? 
Yeah, uh, Michael Jackson Thriller is probably at 66 million copies. The Eagles' greatest hits maybe second. Um, you know, that's just uh, out there. But of course, that's the time frame. We didn't have records or CDs or iPods or iPads or anything like that uh, 100 years ago. So uh, it really is going to be a modern issue. But uh, how about the, the most important or the most recorded or the most sold, if you will, Christian song of all time? I can only imagine. It is quadruple platinum, uh, the song by Bart Millard, of course, the movie that is followed. So music is a part of, of uh, our, our psyche. It's a part of, of church and the Christianity and Judea, Judaism, but it's also very much a part of the Bible. In fact, the Bible tells us that Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. Now, I'm not sure how much airplay he got on, on the radio stations, but he wrote 1,005 songs. Uh, of course, his father had probably set the tone because his father was King David, and King David wrote 75 of the 150 psalms that we have in our Bible. Not only that, but David wrote for specific things. Uh, in Psalms 4, David wrote for a stringed quartet, and it even says above the psalm, before you read the songs, written for strings. Or uh, Psalms 5 was written for a brass ensemble, and you can read that there. So, so David was writing songs to praise his Lord and to communicate things and to pass on heritage, but he was also defining how those songs were to be played. Uh, David even borrowed tunes from other songs to set his poems or his prophecies or his words as the Holy Spirit gave it to him uh, to music. Psalms 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, the words that Jesus said on the cross, a very prophetic psalm. But if you look at the, the words before the actual psalm or poem starts, you will see that it says recorded or to the tune of Doe in the Morning. So David set a lot of his songs to tunes that uh, perhaps were familiar. Uh, perhaps we, I've heard, I think it's right, I haven't checked it out for certain, but I think the Star Spangled Banner was set to a, an English bar song, if I'm not correct, uh, incorrect on that. But we have a lot of borrowing of songs, and, and that's going to happen, or borrowing of tunes. Uh, we also know that David sang in 2 Samuel 22, 1. Uh, he sang these words, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Now, if you are familiar with the musical group, Christian rock group Petra, or Third Day, both of them uh, made a song, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So they're taking scripture and putting it to words, uh, or putting it to music, uh, as David did. We don't have David's version of that song, but uh, we can get an idea from it. So today we're going to talk about songs in the Bible, something I'm very passionate about because it, it is something that communicates and it is certainly of profound entrance to uh, interest to the God of music, the Lord of the dance, which is Jehovah God, the God who created music. On earth, you know, earth it has a number. It's seven. There's seven days in the week. There's seven colors in the rainbow, and there's seven notes on a scale. That's the number of earth. I wonder how many notes there's going to be in heaven. Uh, you may get to heaven and find out that instead of having do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, you may get to find out that there's 12 notes 
which may be, in fact, a number of heaven. So we may have a music that will just blow our minds, perhaps while we've got to have a new body, because we couldn't, we couldn't handle the music of, uh, of, of what heaven is rejoicing over. So uh, thank you for joining me today. We're going to, get, we're going to look at four different songs. There are many others. The Song of Deborah, we're not going to get into some of the other songs. The priests had songs that they wrote, that they sang at the uh, temple as they were doing certain offerings. There's a Song of Ascents that are part of the songs as they were coming up to Jerusalem. Uh, so many things you could study or think about uh, concerning music in the Bible and songs in the Bible, but I'm going to draw your attention to four different points. So thank you again for being a part. Well, let's, let's look at, at point number one or aspect number one, and, and that's this reality. And I think this is profound and important. God sings. Job 38, 6 and 7, as Job is having a discussion with God, and God actually is complaining to God, and God responds to him, where were you? when I created the universe. And he goes on, but in verse 6 and 7, he says, where were you when the, I was creating the universe and the morning stars sang together? Now think about that, my friend. While God is creating the universe, he's got his radio on. He's got music in the background as he is doing the most incredible, fantastic thing of all, the, uh, of, of all creation, anything beyond what we can imagine. He's hanging the stars in the sky. And yet there is music in the background, and he's creating the earth and the plants and the animals and, of course, ultimately us. Um, amazing. But there's another verse that has to do with God singing, and it's very literal in this aspect. It's in the book of Zephaniah, the Old Testament prophet, very small book. But Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, tells us that God, he rejoices over you with singing. Our God sings, my friend. I, I, I can't wait to perhaps hear him sing someday. Uh, he's singing right now, perhaps. I wonder what song he might be singing over you. Well, I know some of you. It's probably Born to be Wild or Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas. I mean, he's, he, he's looking at your lifestyle saying, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, in all probability, though, he's singing over you a song that's giving you peace. You may not even understand the, the, uh, the nature of it. You may not even hear it in a physical sense, but it's that song that's carrying you. He may be singing a song to, to you to remind you of who you are, our identity, in other words. Uh, music has a power. It has a power to change us. It also has the power to protect us. In Psalms 32, 7, uh, he says he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. My point is simply this. God sings. And he's singing over you right now. And I hope your song is a holy song, a godly song. And I don't think God's boring. I don't think there's going to be any opera in heaven. I'm sorry. Maybe some of you classical music fans, maybe a little bit of classical music, but it's got to be, it's got to be moving. I don't, I don't want any of this funeral march stuff because God's a God of life and he's a God of energy. And, and, and so I, I love the songs that really rejoice and are exuberant. There is a time for a dirge. There is a time for a lament. There are times for different songs, but, but I, I, I just celebrate God, and I think, I'm thankful that God is a God who created music and birthed it and placed it into the very marrow of your being, and he is the God who is singing over you. Which brings us to a second place and a second point, and that's God's house. 
not just the universe, but heaven itself. When you read the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, there's a, a Revelation song. And it talks about the, the living beings, the 24 living beings and the creatures of heaven. And I won't get into all of it, but simply know this, that there is music in heaven. Uh, and so God has his radio on at his house, too. And I wonder what the choir is sounding like there. I wonder how well the band is tuned up there and, and what kind of incredible songs and, 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 and what it's going to do to us to hear the songs of heaven. Revelation 14 uh, talks about uh, something that, that we relate to a little bit in, in our uh, uh, visions of heaven. Uh, Psalms, uh, excuse me, Revelation 14:2 says, "And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. Uh, the sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, probably less Paul harps, but they're playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. So there's music going on. There's new songs being written. Heaven is a place of music and wonder. And, and the atmosphere is just saturated with, with the glory that is emanating from the songs of life that are there in heaven. Revelation 15 also talks about a song in heaven. It says, And I saw what looked like the sea of glass, glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, there were those who had been victorious over the beast. And uh, so it's talking about some people coming out of those probably last days. And it says they, were, they held harps given to them by God. And they sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, I don't understand all of that. You can look and study on your own, but understand this. There is music in heaven. And those that we know that are in that incredible place today are probably enjoying uh, the music that uh, the greatest ticket, the most expensive ticket in the world to whatever concert it might be is nothing compared to the ticket that Jesus purchased for you on the cross so that you can enjoy the concert that's waiting for you in heaven. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But let's talk about earth and let's continue on. And let's look at number three, a third song. We've talked about God's song. We talked about heaven's song. Let's talk about the song of deliverance, particularly the song of Moses and Miriam after the incredible event called the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea. And of course, as the children of Israel have gotten through, here come Pharaoh's armies the army that's going to dog them and harass them and, and come to take them back if uh, something didn't change. But God changed something. And, of course, the Red Sea crashes in on this greatest army on the earth at that time. And a song comes forth after they see this deliverance. The children of Israel, they don't have any weapons. They don't have any swords or spears. They don't have any bombs. They don't have any chariots. They don't have anything except God. 
and song births in Moses and his sister Miriam. And that song uh, says this, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and the rider has thrown in suit to the sea. Uh, we used to sing that song a little bit differently. It was more of a King James Version song, but uh, it just talks about the victory. It, it commemorates the victory. It reminds the children of Israel as that song was sung all through by oral tradition, through the generations. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider is thrown into the sea. A wonderful remember, remembrance of God's deliverance. There's also the Ark of the Covenant. And every time the Ark of the Covenant for the children of Israel, they were wandering there in the wilderness. Every time the Ark of the Covenant was uh, picked up by the priest, in other words, God's fire said, it's time to go, we're going to move. And the camp of the Israelites, the Hebrews there, was about to move. They would pick up the Ark and Moses would say, or perhaps sing these words, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. We find that in Numbers chapter 10, verse 35. Uh, King David also made a song of that in Psalm 68, 1. Uh, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. So very much music and music uh, saturating the culture of the Old Testament and of the Hebrews. Now, and of course, if today in our churches, uh, so much music, uh, and glorious music and, and new music and thank God for it. I love the hymns. Let's don't get into a culture war. Let's don't get into a music war. Amazing Grace is a profound song and, and so many of the hymns were written in, in, in amazing times from uh, uh, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. Uh, the Songs that, that have meaning that came out of situations. But there's also new songs being written today as there are in heaven. I referenced already uh, the song uh, that, that was uh, the best-selling song of all times. As far as Christianity is concerned, I can only imagine. I, that song still touches me, and there's so many others. Shout to the Lord, and on and on and on. Uh, but let, let's go to the, the fourth point here uh, to close out our episode today, or the fourth song that we would talk about. As I record this, it's the first day of December in, in 2021, and uh, we're approaching Christmas. Of course, movies and Christmas is all over the place, and um, we've already sung a, a Christmas song in our church, all kinds of good things going on, but uh, the original Christmas song, the original song of, of, that was birthed from the whole event was written by Mary. And we read about it in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55. Mary has gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also pregnant with John the Baptist. And when Mary gets into the presence of Elizabeth, the child within her womb, John the Baptist, begins to just jump up and down and rejoice. And, and she feels this movement within her womb. And, and it just inspires her to say, look, you are the mother of the Son of God. And Mary gets so caught up in that moment, in that revelation, if you will, uh, she sings a song, she uh, releases a praise, and you can read about it and find it. We don't know the tune or what she did, but uh, exactly how it came about. But it says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And it just goes on, and there's, that's called the Song of Mary or the Praise of Mary. We find that again in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55. 
So, so many wonderful uh, songs and music just saturates almost every aspect of the Word of God. We know that, that the trees sing. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The animals sing, and, and there's a song that's over the earth. There's a song of heaven. There's a song in heaven. There's a song over you. There's a song all around us. The creation is singing. Uh, so God is a God of music, and I'm so thankful for that. Today, I want to close out uh, our, our episode today with one of my favorite songs, perhaps yours. It's a Christmas song. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Mark Lowry. You've probably heard it before. It's called Mary Did You Know? And in that song, um, I love music, but, but I love lyrics. Words matter. And there's some profound words in this song. Uh, Mr. Lowry writes, when you kiss your little baby, He's writing about Mary. Mary, did you know? And he says, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. What a classic, powerful line. Another line in the song, that sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. So a, a powerful song, and I'm going to play its pentatonics version of uh, that song for you right now as we close out. And uh, I want you to listen to, we're just going to listen to the first verse, and thank you for listening in today, but you'll hear the line, uh, the one that you delivered will soon deliver you. Thank you for listening today. Songs of Heaven. so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your life.